What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm Coulter Duanas. Happy to be coming to you here on this analysis-based Big Sky Breakdown. We do our analysis podcast once a week. And today, uh, short on guests, long on content. The return of Brooks Nuanas after a week off. He'll give you all his thoughts on the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, and uh, everything in between. We also talked to Ty Gregorak, our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports. Those two guys both have great insight. So we'll talk about the uh, week that was. Montana State, a 37-6 win over Idaho State. Montana, a week off. And then the week that will be, University of Idaho in town to play at Montana on October 15th. That's Saturday at Washington Grizzly Stadium. The 88th clash between Montana and Idaho for the Little Brown Stein, a rivalry that spans back to 1903. The Bobcats, they're on the road in Greeley playing at Northern Colorado. MSU 5-1 overall, 3-0 in Big Sky Conference play, taking on a 1-2 team in league in the Bears, 2-4 overall for Northern Colorado. Thanks to all of our great sponsors uh, for presenting this podcast. First of all, i got to give a shout-out to the guys over there at uh, Elevate Nutrition and Nutrition on Reserve, their partner stores. But they got me all geared up with a bunch of vitamins, minerals, got some protein shakes, feeling really good, uh, trying to get as fit as I possibly can. You know, I'm becoming a middle-aged man before my own eyes and just decided, you know, let's let's kick it into gear. you, you got a lot of time left in your prime, so let's go hard. And the, uh, the nutrition part of it is huge. I, just eating more protein protein and, and uh, you know, drinking the shakes, eating the vitamins, all that stuff. I can tell my gains in the gym is, are way better too. You know, I have more endurance, more energy, all that stuff. So thanks to Nutrition on Reserve and uh, Elevate Nutrition here in Missoula. Also got to thank the Hype House, the Spin and Strength Studio, uh, downtown Missoula on Tool. Uh, they have been keeping my cardio up, keeping my weight training rolling, and got to th- say thanks to Hot House Yoga as well in the heart of downtown Missoula. It was a fun initiative we got. I decided, you know, hey, I want to commit my myself to this and uh, want to go hard. And I also want to see how much it affects my content production. And I can tell you here at the midpoint of the season, I feel uh, certainly tired, but not as tired as I usually do. I, I'm not nearly as overwhelmed. Everything is way more fluid. So thanks to all those people for keeping us fit during football. And uh, thanks to you for listening to the Big Sky Breakdown. Okay, enough about me, enough about my fitness. You're here to talk about Big Sky Conference football. We're at the midpoint of the year. Uh, the collision course is upon us. We got uh, Montana undefeated overall and in league. Sac State undefeated overall and in league. Weber State undefeated overall and in league. And Montana State, the one loss to Oregon State, a Pac-12 school. Other than that, undefeated against FCS squads, including 3-0 in Big Sky Conference play. So it's all coming down the pipe. Should be really fun. Here's Brooks Nuanez, co-founder, SkylineSportsMT.com. Well, before we talk some Big Sky Conference football here on the Big Sky Breakdown, first of all, uh, your favorite guy, Brooks Nuanez, back in the fold, back from America's heartland, back from Kansas City. Uh, happy to have him uh, back rolling with us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Before we talk uh, Big Sky Conference stuff, though, Brooks, what's up with all of the roughing the passer penalties in the NFL? I have thoughts. I got theories. This isn't just about, like, I've heard a lot of people on the national radio say, and this is a direct reaction of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I, dis- I fundamentally disagree. I think this is a significantly different and way more longstanding thing that goes all the way back to the NBA in the 1980s, but we'll get there in a minute. What do you think of this? The NBA in the 1980s, man. Well, I can't wait to hear that. I think, I think it does have parts to do with Tua. I don't think that you could shy away from one of the brightest, sunniest markets, not just weather-wise, but culture-wise. I mean, 
you know what's cool is when the Miami Dolphins are rolling and that's on TV and there's a young team with new blood, Tyreek Hill gets there. Can't have guys that are going to be the showcase of a, of, a, of a team, of a market like that. That's going to be the flourishing. The NFL, you know how much money they can make off of an explosion of the Dolphins taking over the AFC East and, and all of a sudden the Patriots are down and who knows what happens. That's a big deal. Um, I do think it's not directly related to that. I think that for years and years and years, I think Vegas plays more into Sunday afternoons than we that we want to really realize. You know, I mean, like, you know how much money was on the Bucks against the Falcons? Guess who has money on the Falcons? This guy. And guess who looks at that uh, Grady Jarrett pa- uh, roughing the passer on Tom Brady as, as maybe a little bit skewed? This guy. So I think it's three-pronged cult, but I also think that uh, – more than ever, the the speed and style of athletes in the NFL, and if we, if we say quarterbacks are protected, if we tell a quarterback that he is not going to get hit, then a hit is more egregious. It's it's, it's worse. You're you're more you're more loose. You're a little bit you're chilling in the pocket. You're not embracing. You're not bracing for every big hit. And you guys get you get Aaron Donald coming off the edge or something, and you're not prepared for it. I think the injuries can be worse. I do think that there's a, an element of protection there. I think there's two things here. Uh, the next time I see a roughing the passer call against Lamar Jackson will be the first time. I do think there's an element of bias, not maybe even consciously. It might just be completely subconscious in the brains of NFL officials. And part of it's human nature. I mean, Tom Brady's an old guy. He's an old guy that can't run. You're just naturally subconsciously going to protect that guy more than the 24-year-old Lamar Jackson, who's one of the best athletes in the league. Lamar Jackson also runs around all over the place, so he's harder to officiate. He also doesn't take direct shots to the back like the Tom Brady's and Derek Carr's of the world. I also think, though, since the rise of sports on television and the common denominator that sports are now also sports entertainment, the networks and the broadcasting teams and the people that put these games on television, they not only want but need, like you're saying, the most easy-to-tell storylines to be true. And it, we've seen it in the NBA uh, for se- forever, for, for since Jordan and Magic and Bird took the NBA by storm in the 1980s. It's not a coincidence to me that the best storylines almost always play out. That's what they need to happen. And I'm not saying that, that there's anything rigged about it. It's just a part of what influences the game. Like, it's very rare that you ever have the non uh homogenized or the non what the national media is going to tell you is the story about that's easy for you to palette the most and uh, i think that's why you get the, the squeaky clean quarterbacks in the nfl get uh, get the best calls they get the most calls and uh you know you're right i think there is a lot of uh, the vegas that goes into it as well i mean last night we're recording this on a tuesday monday night football last night the chiefs won by one guess what happens when there's a one-point game nobody covers Everybody loses. Doesn't matter if you had the Raiders plus one and a half, the Chiefs minus six and a half, whatever. The only things that are hitting are the totals. There is no such thing as a one point spread. And uh, you know, again, I'm not saying it's rigged, but I'm not saying it's not either. I think that there's a the direct result might not be, but the uh, the points have a huge influence on it all. Anything else on this before we talk Big Sky Conference? I think you're. It's an interesting point. You talk about Lamar Jackson. Um, the young, dynamic quarterbacks like that, do they get protected? You know, maybe maybe not as much, and, and that's probably not, you know, necessarily the right thing, but there is bias in refing. I've refed a lot, and I, I definitely don't care about outcomes, but you do have, you know, certain views on, on uh, 
um, players. You know, individual personalities can play into it a lot. One thing that I find interesting, Coulter, is this: in the NFL, but especially with the pass interference or the roughing the passer uh, rule, is that refs are taught and inherently told you cannot penalize based on intent. You cannot ref based on intent. You cannot say that you thought someone was trying to do something. It's only what happened. And that's the crazy part to me. That's the stuff that those some of those soft pass interference, or uh, I keep calling it pass interference, roughing the passer calls, like the Grady, uh, uh, like the Falcons penalty against Tom Brady and the Bucks. The swinging action of that penalty that looks, I think you're, you're, you're talking about that he could have got hurt, or that there was maybe intent to, to, to punish the quarterback. And that's just not the nature of the rule. It's not the nature of the job. So um, if I'm salty about anything, uh, last night was not good, but the uh, Falcons game, dude, I, I was all over that one. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Big Share Breakdown, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to Blackfoot for their continued support of all of our various endeavors, whether it's here at Skyline Sports, the proud sponsor of our Skyline Sports newsletter, this Big Sky Breakdown podcast, our YouTube channel, and all of our written content. Also involved with us at a ton of stuff at ESPN MT as well. You can always check out Blackfoot, blackfoot.com, see how they can help you with small business uh, development, bu- small business business networking, a variety of other different uh, endeavors. All right, uh, Grizz, were on a bus. So we'll talk cats first. You were on a uh, cross-country trip in Kansas City, so y- you came back to Montana and got to watch the uh, cat game from the comfort of your own home. There was only about one half of it worth watching, and then the second half was just basically Idaho State waving the white flag and getting out of Dodge, getting back to Pokey. The the thing that's so interesting to me that I think Montana State des- deserves all the credit in the world for is I think actually twofold. One, it's so easy, especially when you're a hyper-exposed program like Montana State, to make excuses. Even if you're not directly trying to make excuses, it's so easy if you don't have production to say, well, we don't have any of our main running backs. Isaiah Fonse is out. Kagan Williams is out. Jared White is out. It's also easy to say our offensive line's in rebuilding mode. The Bobcats haven't done any of that. The Bobcats have a whole bunch of dudes that are like my size on the offensive line. That's not true. There, there's a couple of them are huge, but but they have a a by modern day standards small, inexperienced offensive line full of a bunch of sophomores who had never played until this year. Some of them who were walk ons, and they got two running backs available on their whole roster in Lane Sumner and Elijah Elliott, a couple guys that are somehow underrated still. And and they got the coon, they got Garrett Coon just hunting people in the open field. I mean, my god, when you it, the, those poor son of bitches that are in the game when Coon gets in because Coon they're not giving him any run until it's he's got fresh legs. And I mean, he was already there, he was their number one scout guy for a year and a half, so he knows how to go against the ones. And he's just hawking these. 
third-string Idaho State guys just crushing them. I just am so impressed with the fact that Montana State has not wavered whatsoever from their identity, even though they're doing it in a completely different way. That's so refreshing in college football. Oh, we can't do it like we did last year, but we still want to put a priority on it? Let's figure out a way to do it. That's different. Holy cow. Who would have thought that would be possible? Well, Brett Vegan did. You know, they don't run gap scheme inside zone anymore. They run outside zone with their quick athletic offensive linemen and their sweet, fast cutback running backs. Amazing. I wish that more coaches could think outside the box. But more than that, they haven't made it a single excuse. I mean, Saturday was their worst game running the ball this whole season. And they rushed for 255 yards and averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Lane Sumner had 100 yards rushing. Elliott had another 68. They took the body blows off Sean Chambers. I, As an offensive line guy who really loves the run game, I'm just so unbelievably impressed with the Bobcats this year. Yeah, and you know we had questions about what they were going to do offensively those first two games, right, Colton? We said, I mean, we'll see if they can figure this out. Blessing in disguise, I talk a lot about trying to run a two-quarterback system. That's not easy. That's not just something you just plug and play like, oh, we've never done this before. Our OC has never, ever called an offense with two quarterbacks. I'm not saying it's a blessing in disguise that time a lot's gone. I mean, unquestionably one of their best leaders, you know, a fan favorite, all the above. What a tremendous athlete. Gush about him forever. But it makes a lot of sense when you have someone that has, you know, a lot of experience running an offense, especially under Coach Brent Vegan in Sean Chambers, to let him have the reins and go. And I think it gives people a little bit more of an understanding of what are we going to do offensively today? Who's in the quarterback? What does that mean for us philosophy-wise? That Those questions are out, are kind of out the window. We're going to run the football. We're going to get downhill on people. Like you said, we're not only going to get downhill. We're going to get lateral on people. We're going to stretch people out. We're going to stretch you out, stretch you out, get you downhill. Stretch you out, stretch you out, throw a bomb. Those kind of things, I mean, it's really hard to self-scout the way that Montana State has for the last two years, especially this season. People talk about it all the time. We need to focus on us. We need to figure out what we do best. We need to figure out how we can improve on this. All that's hearsay, or all that's bullshit, unless you can actually apply it. These guys can apply it. What do our three interior offensive linemen do well? Let's do that. What do our tight ends do well? Oh, Derek Snell needs a touch? Let's put him in the backfield. Let's put him on a kick return. Let's put him wherever we need to get touches. Trenton Pickering, he's blocking really well on the edge. Let's run it his way. How about that? Uh, Putting players, kids in successful positions. Um, Don't we all want that from coaches? Don't we all want that from leaders and adults? Uh, Montana State seems to be doing it at a very high level right now. Uh, Two more broad talking points about the Bobcats. One, I think they've shored up their defense a little bit. I think the front defensively is playing well. I think Sebastian Valdez is playing as good as anybody in the league. He's one of my favorite guys in the league. I just love him. I think he's just unbelievably good. I think he's so talented and he's so tough. The linebackers are coming into their own. Um, I think that Danny Ulola-Kepa is uh, finding his footing a little bit. Callahan O'Reilly is a great playmaker, and I think Nolan Askelson is actually the most consistent one out of those inside guys. And I think that the, the defense that they're running, they're playing way more man. They're getting put out on an island a lot more. But I think that the one spot where the whole defense is going to rise up a notch is if and when they can get the paperwork figured out for Ryland Ort. Because if Ort is in at strong safety, it redistributes so many other things. Now, like when Ort's on one side and Ty Okada's on the other side, you can bump either one of them into the box instead of just leaving Okada out here on the outside. You can also have Ort be up in the box, and he's you know 6'2", 215. He's got the body to play up in the box. Ort is also super smart, and he can get guys lined up and stuff too. So I just think that They've been playing shorthanded in the uh, the presence of one guy, and I think Ort could could change a lot for them. They still have given up big plays. Uh, that's I mean that's their Achilles heel is they they are 
they are addicted to big plays right now. They've had big plays in every single game so defensively. But what, what have you thought of the Bobcat defense? How much of a difference could Ort make? Well, I think huge. Um, you described it fairly well, Coulter. I mean, I think that that's exactly spot on. I think he's a great player, but I mean, he's also a little bit inexperienced. You know, he's he played he played in the playoffs and he's had some good runs, um, you know, some good spurts, if you will. But I don't know if he's the end all be all to f- completely fix a defense that that you know does hemorrhage big plays from time to time. I think if they really want to get after teams, they're going to have to do it in the pass rush. They've been creating so much pressure on the inside. But they have not had a ton of pressure on the outside. We saw David Alston get you know get free, have a strip sack fumble um, against Idaho State. They've had some guys start to roll. I think that that's probably the mentality is that you start to get those guys moving more as far as the depth piece goes. Uh, Brody Greeby was a guy when he came onto the scene, he was a, a, a third down guy. He was a guy that was providing depth. Um, right now, he's not getting to the quarterback every every third down. Um, so I think you start to just roll as many guys as possible. Why are they good on up front defensively? Outside of Valdez, I don't think they have an absolute star. But when they're really playing well, it's because they're rolling dudes. It's because Schmidt's playing. It's because Heald's playing. It's because guys are just getting two two snaps and you're out. And it's almost that there's no drop-off when you get that second team in, mostly because of their conditioning, which we've noted for the last two years, all under Brett Began. Jeff Choke did a great job of it as well. These are really well-conditioned football teams. Um, you especially see that in the second and third groups. When you start to see guys that are really rearing to go, um, that can keep their wind for seven plays, and you're in that third group and late in the game, that proves a lot of what Sean Heron's done, the strength and conditioning coach. And They are they are a well-conditioned football team. I think that that's what they had a lot of success with last year. I think defensively they, they could even roll more than they do right now, which they've, they've done some as well. I'm not comparing Brody Greeby to Brad Daly in terms of his talent level, although Greeby's very, very talented. He actually has better measurables than Daly. Daly was an undersized guy. But Daly, Greeby last year had six and a half sacks because he was playing against the guy Daniel Hardy was wearing his ass out the whole game. He gets to come in. So I think that it's not uncommon to see the guy when he's in his first year as an every-down player you just you have to find new tool. You got to put new tools in your tool belt. Basically, I mean, Greeby only needed his three moves last year. Now he's on the scout. He's not, it's not just like you know this number ten kid who comes in twenty plays a game. He's on the scout. Teams are game planning you know to keep him in check. I think he has unbelievable upside, and uh, he's been knocking on the door. If they actually accurately tracked hurries, he'd have a lot of hurries this year. And uh, I think he'll he'll figure out a way to keep getting home. Um, last question about the Cats before we talk briefly about the Grizz and this upcoming rivalry game against the University of Idaho. By the way, uh, Robert Lawrence Hawk III said uh, he called it a rivalry this week, even though last year he told me we only have one rival, Coulter. Uh, but this was a rivalry game this week yeah, when Coach Hawk was talking about the Idaho Vandals. Uh, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> but last question about the Cats. Tommy Watt's been cleared this week. Brett Vegan says it's their quote-unquote idea to start him. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you take the dude who scored 15 rushing touchdowns and don't play him. They're not going to not play him. Sean Chambers is going to be their wildcat guy down in the red zone. But I don't know why you'd really want to disrupt the the uh, the rhythm of the offense. I, I There's all this dis- debate whether you're going to go this guy or that guy, whatever. The Cats are going to play two quarterbacks. I actually think they're going to figure out a way to do it. The one thing that I think is their biggest concern is when you got one quarterback, you can play as fast as you possibly can, and that's what they've been doing. I thought their their tempo against UC Davis particularly was as good a tempo as they've played with in, in forever since Dakota Prukop was the quarterback. So uh, how do you do that with two quarterbacks? I don't know if you can. 
I don't think he can. And I think you bring Tommy back really slow. I, I I don't know why Tommy doesn't become the between the fifty between the thirties Wildcat quarterback. You know, I don't know why he would be the starter right away. Sean Chambers has not only deserved it, but he's been a better player. He, he's just he's more functional for what they want to do. Um, Tommy Malott is still a young quarterback who has spent the majority of his development at Montana State is not playing quarterback. I don't think that that's a surprise to anyone to say that someone who, you know, is on kickoff and taking wide receiver reps is not quite as developed as a quarterback. That being said, I, I do think you get Tommy involved if you can. Of course, he's a dynamic athlete. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of him. I just don't know right now why you wouldn't roll with the hot hand. That's not my decision to make. Running two quarterback systems is very, very hard. Um, there are very few teams that can do it. I've also found that the ones that struggle the most with it are when the quarterbacks are drastically different, which is the reason you do it. It's because you have two different skill sets, so you want to get them both on the field. I've found that to not, you're not playing the hot hand. It's so challenging to come in and really get the feel of a game if you're not really, you know, neck deep in it. So, again, not my decision. I do think that, uh, luckily, both those guys, Colter, I think you'd have to agree in Sean Chambers and Tommy Malott are such team-oriented guys. I don't think it will really bother them momentum-wise if they go to a two-quarterback system. I don't think there'll be a lot of jealousy, if you will which I think is a positive thing for Montana State. But gosh dang, Sean Chambers is going to score 30 rushing touchdowns this year. Um, he's going to march them all the way to finish a top-five team in the country if they if they continue to roll like they do. Um, I would not necessarily mess with that formula, but we'll see how Montana State plays it. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Grizz. What's your new favorite saying? Open date? Open date. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Al calls it the open date instead of the bye week, uh, regardless. I actually thought for how uh, much basketball was going on in the background yesterday and how... Uh, Lack of information there was in the eight-minute press conference that we endured yesterday on Monday afternoon. Uh, I actually thought Bobby Houck was uh, quite honest about one thing. He said, we don't like bye weeks because the style that we play is not conducive to a bye week. The, the style that we play is to play football every single day. Better or worse, we need to have momentum. We need to be rolling. We don't want days off. We want days to just go. And that's, again, for better or worse, that's what the program's all about. I actually think that's why Montana got so much better when they didn't have any games during the 2020 uh, fiasco that was incurred by the pandemic. I thought that uh, practicing every single day and getting a bunch of guys that want to practice every single day, it's a rare thing this day and age of college football. Bobby Houck has done it. He, he and his staff has, have done it. Montana hasn't been very good coming off there by the last couple of years. 
where are we at with the Grizz? They're five and zero. They're coming off of a lackluster second half against Idaho State, but they are still number three in the country. They're one of only a handful of teams in the United States that are undefeated right now, and uh, they got the Idaho Vandals coming to town. What do you think of the dynamic of Montana uh, coming off of a bye, especially given their performance in Pocatello two weeks ago? I think that what you said historically would be the case, Colter. It's really hard. You know, I'm not here to, to you know, tell you what's going to happen in the future. That's not really my role, but. I do think that there's there's going to be a, some struggles offensively, defensively, whatever it may be. There's going to be a hiccup. It's, just, it's kind of been their calling card coming off of going into a bye, coming off a bye. It's just kind of been the nature of it. You ride a lot of momentum when you get to play in Missoula at Washington Grizzly Stadium. There's a lot. There's a big advantage there. We're going to probably not even call it two and a half points. We're going to probably call it seven. You know, it's it, it's a touchdown advantage, and I think that sometimes if you take that for granted, it can get away from you early on. Does the momentum swing around? Is does the avalanche usually ensue? It, it almost always does. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Montana came out a little bit slow. That being said, we'll see if they added any new wrinkles because offensively, we've liked what they've done offensively. I, I think we could, I could speak for the both of us is they've been a lot more creative. Now we're not talking about you know completely rewriting the football um, history books here, but they've have been creative. They've getting they're getting guys in space. They're finding playmakers the ball. They're rotating guys to the point where. You're like, six guys have a catch, and the sixth guy might have been the most talented one. I mean, Aaron Fonts is out there. You're like, this guy didn't get a turn until the third quarter, and he may be the, the best guy. That kind of stuff, to providing depth but also getting players the ball um, has been interesting. It's been, I think, really effective for them. Um, running back-wise, I still think they're trying to. They're kind of playing the hot hand game, and I still think, you know me, Colter, I think at the FCS level, especially when you're a dominant team who likes to run the football, that you need to get – not a complete bell cow established, but you need to get some on the rock. And it needs to be a little bit known. Of course, game to game, week to week, injuries, all that being said. But right now, they're running five guys out of the backfield. Marcus Knight being towards the end of that, that depth chart. You know, is Xavier Harris the guy? I think he might be. I don't know why they wouldn't roll with him. Is Nick Osmo maybe your change of pace bruising back? That's what it seems to want to be. But then you'll see third quarter stretches where Junior Bergen's in the backfield. Marcus Knight is catching swing passes, and the offense looks a little bit disjointed. So I think if they continue to establish that depth, which they have, but then find a little bit more of a hot hand in the running game, I think Montana offensively is really tough to stop. And defensively, I mean, Idaho's going to have their hands full. I mean, they got a freshman quarterback who wants, I mean, I'm not going to speak for this this young man, but he, he wants nothing that he's about to experience. No one in the country does, let alone a guy that uh, is competing completing passes at a very high level the highest completion percentage in the country according to Bobby Houck I have not looked that up but I do believe him you know a dynamic player but goodness gracious I don't think Montana defensively is going to come off the bye any lesser yeah talk to uh Jason Eck head coach of Idaho right after uh the Monday press conference he got a hold of me right away which was uh, it was great catching up with coach Eck but he said that they've just really simplified it for Giovanni McCoy uh there is no pre-snap reads it's just one two three me get the ball out go uh he was 18 of 20 uh, in the opener against NAU, and then he was 22 of 27 last week against North, two weeks ago against Northern Colorado. Idaho is coming off a bye this week as well, so it will be a, a, the first huge challenge for uh, Giovanni McCoy uh, at Washington Grizzly Stadium for sure. He's a good athlete. He's actually a great athlete. Throws the ball a little bit funny. Uh, so did Eric Berrier. So I mean, I thought McCoy had a throw last week that looked like Berrier dropping a dime in the bucket. So that'll be interesting against the Grizz defense. But one last thought on the Grizz offense before I have one last question on the Grizz defense. What Bobby Houck is doing right now, and what the coaching staff, I always default to Coach Houck because he is such a figurehead of the program. So even though he has coaches that are implementing a bunch of stuff, you know, I mean, this is this is a one general army, so to speak. But uh, what the coaching staff, what Tim Rosebaugh, the offensive coordinator, and what, what Bobby Houck, by premise, wants to do is they want to get as many guys involved as possible so they have as many guys that have accountability and um, ownership of what's happening in the success of the team. 
They also want to keep guys fresh. That's why they're spreading the ball around all over the place. I do think once you get down to the the stretch run, the gauntlet that they have coming up at Sac State, at Montana State, or at, at Weber State, at Montana State, three of their last five games right there, plus Eastern Washington coming to town. I think, and, and especially in the playoffs when you get to play in the Dakota schools and things like that, I think that you need to be able to adjust from that, spread the ball all over the place, isolate your primary guys, and attack mismatches. I mean, North Dakota State runs all these different guys, whatever, and then when it gets to the you know judgment day, it's Hunter Lebke and Christian Watson that are just right at you all day long. Do the Grizz have it in them to do that, and, and how necessary is it? I mean, when it gets to be nut-cutting time, is it, can they go, Xavier Harris, Junior Bergen, you know, Aaron Fonts, Cole Grossman, roll? Can they do it? I don't think that they will. I don't think they. I don't think they want to. And I think it's probably to their detriment. I, I at this point of the season, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Montana, Montana State. You guys all know. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite sayings. I got two of them. Throw it to the tight end, and then uh, number one, and then number two is uh, these are this is national championship or bust style of programs. We're not talking about getting to the you know divisional round and and the the, the round of sixteen and, and squeaking out a win. That's not what we're talking about. Talking about, can these teams win the national championship? That's it. That's what we are talking. There's no teams that don't have dogs that win natties. You don't just go, yeah, we, we got the ball to nine guys in the semifinals and made it all the way there. It's not how it works. It's just not. At this level, across the country, at every level of football, if you're the top team in the country, you got a dog. you got a dog. I think it's now. I think it's week six, week seven, week eight that you start to establish that. I get that you want to have guys fresh at the end of the season. I get all that, man. That's just not how the real world works. The real world works where if you have elite players, they're not all the same. You have the best one. You have the best two. You have the best three. If Cole Grossman is your best tight end, you play him every damn snap that they're going to throw the football. And guess what? You throw it to him a bunch. I, you can roll t- two running backs. I get that. Don't get me wrong here. But I, I think that you do want to establish that uh, I don't think it's the right mentality to say, you know what? Mitch Roberts is a good player. We know what we got. We're going to plug someone else in there. Feed him the football. <laughs> it's it's honestly the number one best thing that Brent Vegan did last year at the Bobcats. There's been so many questions to Vegan the last 10 months or whatever asking about Isaiah Fonse's workload last year. And basically what he wants to say is, well, he's the best running back in the conference. He's one of the best running backs in the country. So we gave him the ball. 25 to 30 times a game because our best player. You know, I mean, Troy Anderson's trying to be a top 50 draft pick, and he's got one arm. How many times did he come off the field last year? You don't. You don't You don't take him off the field. So, um, yeah, I get it. I, I, and I, I'm not – we don't know. We don't know the answer to that question. Maybe Montana can lock it in and play their best dudes. Actually, if you hearken back to some of – the former Bobby Houck teams, there was a couple times when they did start riding their ponies. Like 2007 they did, and then they got upset by Wofford in the first round of the playoffs. But I thought that they did sort of uh, ride it. I mean, Craig Oaks, was he became the dude and, and took him all the way to the natty in 2004. So there is evidence of both uh, yes and no here, and I guess this remains to be seen. But if I'm the Grizz, when it comes down to the stretch, if they can set up what we think they can set up and get to that point, they're going to have to take the reins off some of these guys and and uh, just roll your best dudes out there. Uh, that's what you're going to have to do. Uh, last thing on the Grizz, Brooks. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Nick, a uh, great friend and a great financial advisor. Uh, he's helped both Brooks and myself get uh, our financial lives squared away. Got us some uh, whole life insurance and also some investment strategies and uh, a variety of other uh, different tidbits and tips. Like Nick says, he's a he's a coach more than an advisor, and we love that sports metaphor. So if you need any financial advice, you want to make your life 
more tax efficient, give Nick and his team a call today at Westpac Wealth. Uh, last thing on the uh, the Grizz note, Brooks, what do you want to see out of the Grizz that you haven't seen already? Because I think that in the non-conference, the, the three opponents for the Grizz had, I'd say, what what I would consider very marginal plans to mitigate what Montana does. And all three of their quarterbacks were quite literally crawling off the field by the end of it. I mean, the poor kid from South Dakota, when they got the safety in the north end zone, I thought he was dead. I thought they were going to have to come bring him out because he was just so beaten and just he had no juice left. And the kid at Indiana Stakeout just whacked as well. Um but then we've seen a little bit more – well, first of all, the teams are just way better in the Big State Conference. This year is affirming to me what I've thought for so long, that the Portland States of the world are just – they're just going to go win all these other leagues when you see the other teams in the other leagues. Indiana State almost beat North Dakota State last week, so uh, maybe they are a little bit better than maybe we, we thought. But here nor there, uh, the quarterbacks the Grizz are going to play against down the stretch here, though, starting with McCoy, going to be a lot more athletic than the guys they've seen. I mean, these guys are actually going to be able to functionally run – Dante Sachere could actually run a little bit against the Grizz, and uh, it didn't matter because they just got completely avalanched when Portland State was here in town. But uh, the Grizz are going to see more diverse and unique game plans in terms of slowing down everything that they do offensively. What more do you want to see uh, out of the Grizz defense, or what uh, what details will you be watching on Saturday when Idaho's here in Missoula for the Battle of the Little Brown Stein? The quarterback play may be improving down the stretch here, Colter. There, there's, uh, if we need another term besides avalanche, it's going to be a tsunami, a hurricane. These dudes are all in for it. I, that's just the nature of it, right? What more could you ask for from a defense like this? I, I guess off of the top of my head, you know, you you'd want to you you'd want to create more takeaways. They haven't had, you know, they've had plenty. They've had some, but not a ton. Um, and that's because the quarterback doesn't really get the ball out to force interceptions, if you will. Uh, but still, when you're when you're getting after the quarterback the way they do, it's such a it's such a bum rush blitz that that the quarterback like tucks it because it's not like he's wondering where it's coming from. It's right in front of him. So I I, I think that would be the only thing. I don't I don't know if there's a good answer from defensively. Um, the other phases of the game, I would love to see them be more unique in their special teams. You know, like dial up another blocked punt. You know, make that happen. I would love to see them like pooch kicks um, and like make force teams to you know fair catch stuff and try to get someone to make a mistake on special teams they've been kicking out of the end zone or or kind of just you know not not sending it in on kickoff but it has not been the most dynamic of of groups as far as you know they run down there with their hair on fire but i'd still like to see them try to force something unique on special teams i think that's something that you can continue to put on film and continue to practice and that no one can mitigate if you do well especially with the personnel that most teams are putting on special teams which isn't usually a entire group of starters so defensively, I don't know if it's it, but um, I, I think they're playing at such a high level, it's hard to criticize. I think it would be more special teams-wise, you know, finish a good field goal drive, continue to punt the ball the way you have, be very sound on kick return. I uh, haven't seen one burst there, haven't seen a big seam, you know, we've seen it in the punt game. Um, but, you know, Malik Flowers could, could, could get going and, 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 you know, put his stamp on some pretty impressive records at the Big Sky Conference and around the FCS nationally. So I think it's more of cleaning up some of the details of where they have a huge advantage than it is defensively because defensively I think they're probably the best group in the country. And that's exactly where uh, I think that they put a priority. That's what Bobby Houck always says. We're playing against our standard as much as we're playing against opponents. And make no mistake. It's a rivalry game. It's a trophy game. Idaho Vandals have not won the little Brown Stein for 
quite some time, certainly not since Idaho's been back in the Big Sky Conference uh, starting in 2018. So uh, a lot on the line Saturday, the fact that the Vandals come to Missoula undefeated. I think the Grizz will be on high alert. I think the Grizz will be raring and ready to go. And I think that if they can, and I think that they will have the ability to, I think they're going to kick. I think they're going to kick Idaho's ass with great glee. I think that Bobby Hawk will let it all hang out, and I think that this Grizz team will look better than they have coming off of a bias. So, Big Sky Breakdown. Brooks Nuanas uh, joining us here on your mid-October Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks to all of our great sponsors uh, for bringing the great the Big Sky Breakdown, including Town Pump Food Stores. We've been on the road a lot lately this year. I'm actually excited to cover a game on a Saturday and actually be able to sleep at my own house. House. That has not occurred so far this football season. We've been making stops at all the games that we possibly can. I've been all over the place. I uh, had two different times where I was in Missoula and Bozeman, both on game day Saturdays, hitting the first half and the second half of certain games. You know, we've also been to Seattle and Portland, and Andrew Houghton's been to Pocatello. We couldn't get there without Town Pump. Town Pump has been uh, helping us get all over the Big Sky Conference. Town Pump by the mile. Appreciate Town Pump Montana's best for their continued sponsorship of us at Skyline Sports. Ty Gregorak, lead analyst here at Skyline Sports. Next, keep it right here. Big Sky Breakdown. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Happy to have Brooks Nuanas back in the saddle. Fun talking with him. And now we go to one of our other main guys, Ty Gregorak. Uh, he's been an analyst here for at Skyline Sports for several years. Also now on the color commentating side of the television broadcast for MTN. You can find uh, his calls for all the Montana State Conference games. First of all, my man, uh, killer suit. Sad I only got to see it for about 30 seconds on Saturday, but I did get to see the digs. Looking good. Well, you know, that's kind of, it was uh, picked out by my wife. Of course. Shocking. Um, went with the homecoming theme. We had, we had a, we had a light blue suit with a dark blue shirt with a, with a gold or a yellowish gold with a little blue, you know, speckle thing, uh, uh, tie. So kind of a homecoming Saturday thing, but, uh, yeah, man. Hey, before we get going, going back to, the commentating thing. I had a couple errors on Saturday, Coulter, that I just want to, you know, air them out real quick. One, I was giving love to Brian Armstrong's offensive line, which, wow, they continue to impress. But I mentioned the fact that, you know, with the loss of Lewis Kidd, I said, kind of Freudian, really, I said Marcus Tuiasosopo. Well, Taylor... Yep. immediately create you know this the way this generation has to do it they immediately take to twitter you know oh god here we go you know so i apologize to taylor marcus Ta- marcus to and i go go way back to high school days uh back in the mid 90s we're both from washington we faced off each other in the east west game and then he obviously had a great career at washington and i went to colorado and, and he's still coaching i think where is he coaching now pac 12 ball somewhere but anyway so that was my first error and then my second error at the end of the game i was given some props to brent vegan and i said think i told ben the play-by-play guy said think about this now the guy has only lost in the, in the last year and a half he's lost to wyoming Oregon State, so two, you know, a power five, a group of five. North Dakota State in the in the uh, 
national championship, I forgot to mention the curb stomping that took took place in Missoula at the end of the regular season last year. And for that, I am very sorry. No, I did not forget that. I just forgot to mention it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I made a lot more mistakes in that, in that uh, broadcast than that, but those are the two that stick out. And I just had to, I had to say, I'm sorry, Coulter. If anyone's listening, I apologize. Well, millions of people are listening around the world, so you heard it here first. Ty Gregorak apologizes <laughs> for his errors. But, hey, man, that's it's all about the reps. See, this is what I love about sports uh, writing and sports broadcasting is that it is very much like sports where, you know, getting in the flow and practice and lots of reps and fundamentals and all those things. And uh, I appreciate it because we always try to uh, – acknowledge our errors as well uh, before this podcast is over i'm sure i'll have some random memory of uh, a mess up i've uh, made i'll give you a good one from my newspaper days when i was at the uh, sports editor at the bozeman chronicle and the cats played down in huntsville texas in 2011 of the of the playoffs i uh i wrote uh that was back when newspapers were huge and there's you know multiple four stories on every game so i was down there covering the cats against sam houston and uh sam houston was running that crazy option where they'd run like the Wildcat into the triple option. Richard Sincere was kind of the trigger man. And uh, then they'd have, you know, guys that would be the inside zone guy and then the guy that was the pitch man. Well, I uh, made an error not once but twice, uh, a typo that called the guy the bitch man instead of the pitch man, and that made it into the Sunday newspaper. So (laughs) (laughs) mistakes happen. (laughs) Shoot, I remember those teams. And they (laughs) that that was so challenging. to defend not 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 necessarily i mean the scheme is tough but my god they had some athletes oh man a few years they 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 were so athletic not that they're not that they're still not speaking speaking of uh the old southland and sam houston how about our guys from james madison top 25 baby i knew when i saw that team last year that that team had ridiculous dudes but uh, top 25 is pretty good no doubt and i mean that, that i mean the the playoff bracket. I mean, you just sit there and you go, huh? One side looks a lot different than the other. But um, yeah, the the you know you know what the dumbest thing is just the evolution of football too, and the way it continues to evolve and rule changes and the playoff bracket. Blah blah blah. You know what's so stupid, Coulter, is they can't go to postseason. I mean, they could finish twelve and zero and not get to play in the postseason because of you know moving up. How dumb is that? In two thousand two, so dumb. Yeah. Anyway, props to them though. I mean, again a move-up story that's good. I mean, you and I were talking before about Montana State's next opponent, you know, Northern Colorado and move up and what they've done. But, I mean, shoot, you look at – I mean, I've been there. You look at their facilities and their recruiting base and stuff, they're going to be successful in the group of five, really successful, and they're proving it. Well, let's talk yeah, about these sorry. games from this off, last off, weekend. Off. We'll start uh, with last weekend's Montana State game because the Grizz didn't have a game. Uh, Grizz play at Idaho, excuse me, Grizz host Idaho on Saturday, so they're coming off a bye, so are the Vandals. But the Bobcats uh, had what was such a weird win on Saturday because they just they had a busted coverage on their first defensive series. They're down 6 nothing. You're sitting there thinking, oh, man, maybe Idaho State's got a little juice coming off of, you know, a couple late scores against the Grizzlies a couple weeks ago. And uh, then Montana State, you know, wakes up, has a cup of coffee, and boom, they score on six straight possessions. They're up 34-6 at halftime. Then they just cruise from there. And I know they had a couple uh, third downs on really long drives in the second half that they didn't get that then made it so that they kind of had to punt. And that was the smart thing to do, you know, up four scores, whatever. But it also seemed like there was literally no 
aggressiveness in the second half. And and you have to wonder if part of that was just sportsmanship because Idaho State was rolling without a head coach. Charlie Rago had to get taken to the hospital before the game uh, even began. And, you know, if the Cats wanted to, I think they, I mean, the Cats scored on every single possession of the first half and they looked pretty flawless offensively. So, um, just a weird one, but a, a victory in the league nonetheless. And thirty-seven to six is a, a pretty decided mark. And uh, Cats are now five and one overall, and three and zero in Big Sky Conference play. What do you think of of the game, especially just uh, the way Montana State blitzed to the the lead at halftime, and then kind of just cruised after that? Yeah, one, it was a gorgeous day. I mean, just a perfect you know fall October day for homecoming. Two, Bill Lamberty about I don't know. 10 seconds before kickoff, hands me and Ben a note saying, you know, head coach Charlie Regal removed from the stadium. Don't, you know, we're like, okay, is he okay? Like, what, what's going on? You know, and we're like, we don't know, not, not a lot of facts. Just Then we got an update that he's on his way home with his family. And then we hear a rumor that it's a heart thing. And sure enough, that's what it was. Um, but it sounds like he's okay. So, yeah, that, that was different. You know, the, the MO, sadly – of, of, of the Montana State defense has, has been the big plays. And early on there in that first series, well, no, I, I say MO. Let me correct myself. They, they, they've given up a lot of big plays, or, 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 you know, one would say too many big plays this season. But, man, what an opportuni- opportunistic defense. I mean, they, they've, got, they've got seven takeaways in the last two games, six of which came on Saturday, and the offense has given the ball up zero times that's going to win you football games and I know uh, the only thing I would say about the the second half is if you're a really 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 good football team you're not necessarily running up the store but you're it's clean your 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 mechanics are clean your drives are are slow but clean you know and I think I think you and I as sports fans and probably the common Bobcat fan and Bobcat nation is going okay we get that you're up. We get that we're just trying to run out the clock and, and get out of here healthy and another win and, you know, not run up the score on, on, on somebody. But I think you could have at least put together a couple few, you know, touchdown scoring drives to say, okay, you know, we, we, we know the deal here, but we're, we're a good outfit and, and we're running our offense, you know, next to flawlessly against an inferior team. That being said, they did everything they needed to do to win the football game. They came out, they came out healthy, to, to my knowledge, they came out very healthy. Sean Chambers, to me, continues to prove that he's the guy and that it will only bolster the offense when they do get Tommy Mallott back this week from a, from a leadership, leadership standpoint and from you know, just getting the, getting the ball in a, in a playmaker's hands. How, how they decide to use them both will be very interesting. I think, I think there's a lot, a lot of people uh, in this state and around the country that are Cat fans that are, that are curious to see how they're going to work this thing moving forward because Sean has proved – the guy's got 20 touchdowns, Coulter – 15 on his feet. That's impressive, you know? So I, jo- I joked a couple, was it last week? Yeah, I, I joked last week. I said, this guy might have 100 touchdowns this year. Obviously, 100 touchdowns is, is a, a far exaggeration, but 20 touchdowns through six games, that, that's, 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 that's pretty incredible. So I, I thought they did what they had to do. Awesome, awesome job by Callahan O'Reilly and, and, and a well-deserved defensive player of the week. Callahan O'Reilly, I don't know if you guys have talked about this in the last couple of days. Cal O'Reilly has six takeaways in six games. Amazing. I mean, that, that's incredible. 
three, 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 three interceptions. Yeah, you know, and the pressure that Sebastian Valdez and, and some of the guys up front, and I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, again, you know how much I hate the Oregon State game because it just, you know, it, for, for what's a really nice September and October, you're like, oh, they gave up the most points in World War II. And like, God, why did they even play the game when you could have made just as much money, if not more, here in Bozeman playing or whatever. But what do I know, Coulter? Anyway. Uh, I think the last two weeks against, you know, conference FCS opponents kind of shows you who they are. And you and I were talking in September. It's like, well, who are they really? You know, I, I mean, they got McNeese, they got, you know, Moorhead High, and then a, and then a, 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 a mid to upper Pac-12 teams. And you're like, well, who are they really? And I, I think the last couple of weeks, you've really seen it. Now, they go, you know, UNC struggling. The, the, I, I, believe, I believe the Bobcats will go on the road and take care of business the way they've done the last couple few weeks. I absolutely do. But next, the, the, the following week, that then it's like, okay, now we get to really see who they are at home, in theory, trying to, t- trying to break the longest uh, home winning streak in program's history against an excellent Weber State team next week. So, anyway, that was a long answer, dude. I'm sorry. Did I even answer your question? <laughs> I love it. One point just to, to uh, accentuate that is I do think that some of the stuff in the second half, too, is, against Idaho State, they were trying to like take, do everything they possibly could to keep the body blows off Sean Chambers. And I also think you saw then, though, how, how much less diverse their offense is when they don't have the quarterback as a part of the run game or as a part of the, the run-pass option stuff. Uh, so that's just one uh, detail within it. But I have a, the, my next question for you, Ty, Ty Gregorak, joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. My next question for you is this. I think right now, more than ever, I think it used to be easier to hide your players from the noise, from, uh, you know, all of the, the stuff that's going on, you know, guys like us sitting here talking and analyzing and projecting and speculating and all that stuff. Uh, you know, guys can still ignore it or whatever. And I actually think both the programs in Montana do a pretty good job of having their guys do that. But it's still out there and there's Twitter and Instagram and whatever. My question for you is this, Ty. This year in the big sky, I think that the, the sort of pecking order is more cut and dry than it's ever been. I think we know exactly who are the top teams in the mix for the playoffs. I think we know exactly who the few teams are in the middle tier. And then I think we know exactly who the bottom teams are. As a coach, how do you go about not letting that affect your guys and their preparation? Because, you know, you go from night game on national TV against UC Davis, and then you look down the road and you got this great pivotal stretch coming up uh, with Weaver State coming to town, and then, you know, and then the Grizz coming to town and all that. But in between, you got to play a couple of the teams that haven't won any games. But you don't want to overlook those teams because that could just completely torpedo your whole season and all your goals and all of it. So, how do you get your guys to not pay attention to all that stuff? How hard is it to prepare guys when you have. Idaho State, Northern Colorado, back to back. I I know exactly what you're saying, but you know, as as coaches and players, you're trying to you, you, you're trying to win, and you're trying to you know you're trying to go out, especially this time of year, and you need to be playing really good football. So yeah, it's hard, um, but I think I think good head coaches, you know, keep the main thing the main thing, and keep your guys focused on the task at hand. And and, and I'll be honest, you know, it's kind of like talking two weeks ago about Mo- Montana, the University of Montana is a way better football team than Idaho State. But going on the road and busting down four or five hours to Pokey and Holt Arena is a weird place to play. The same thing is true this week at UNC at Nottingham Field. There will probably be more Cat fans there than, than, than UNC fans. It's a funky atmosphere. I know they, I know they finally put in they, – they put in field turf now, right, Coulter? I haven't been there. I think that's right. Should I have been there in years? Yeah, I think I, all right. I, I, well, I, it's been a while for me now too. Uh, but, you know, it used to be grass. So that was kind of, you know, 
you know, when we, when we were at Montana forever, when we had grass teams, we'd actually go spend, you know, chunks of Tuesday and Wednesday down on the river bowl. Um, you know, here, I, I, I have no idea what vegans philosophy, but it, it's, it's, it's a moot point because I believe it's field turf now. Now, uh, San Luis Obispo is still grass to the best of my knowledge, you know, so you sit there and go, okay, do we need to get some turns on the grass just to get the cleats right and everything. But to me, it, these, these type of games are a hundred percent BYOE bring your own energy because the atmosphere is weird. It's funky. It's just not good. Um, what they're used to, you know, um, you asked me last week, we were talking about, you know, the success of, of these programs and their facilities. And, you know, it's, 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 it's very clear and apparent who the top teams in the country are and how they invest in their programs and their fan bases. Well, you know, a, a, a lot of, a lot of these teams that get to come to Washington Grizz and Bobcat stadium, they don't, they're not used to playing in front of crowds like that. And, and it's just different. And so, but it's the complete polar opposite mindset wise and mentality wise, when you're used to playing in front of 21,000 or 26,000, and now you got to go play in front of a couple thousand. Um, it's just, you, you got to rally around each other and, and, you know, the old, the old kind of burn the ships and, and go play ball and go play the kind of football that you've been playing the last couple of weeks and not worry about all the other outside influences. It's, I, I'm not going to say it's hard because you want to win every game or, or I'm, I'm not going to say it's easy because it is challenging. You know, kids, kids know they're not dumb as coaches. You're like, Hey, any given Saturday, Hey, these guys can beat you. And they're looking at this film going, they're not very good. So that, that's <laughs> stuff you got to combat it. Well, no, seriously, that's what you got to combat. Is like, hey guys, they, I, I know what you're seeing, but stranger things have happened. We got to go play our brand of football, play clean defensively, keep taking the ball away, offense, not giving the ball, just like they haven't done for two weeks, and go get a good road win because winning on the road is hard. Then you got a little bit of a similar dynamic, although it's not necessarily a team that has struggled this year. It's a team that's playing well, and that's the Idaho Vandals coming to Missoula. But I think it's so fascinating just in terms of the narrative of this Grizz season because uh, everybody that's around the program, in the program, whatever, it was basically, hey, we are going to hard charge to six straight victories. Then we're going to take this show on the road for two weeks in the end of October, and we'll see where we're at. And uh, Montana's one win away from doing exactly that, and they got the Vandals coming to town, but they also had, you know, sloppy finish to a win in Pocatello and then a week off. So uh, what are you expecting from the Grizz? What do you think of of this opportunity? Because it seems like if they can take care of business against the Vandals, which I think has been uh, resoundingly expected from pretty much everybody that follows the team, but it's not that easy. I mean, Idaho's pretty dang, I think Idaho's pretty good. Uh, what do you think of just the dynamic of this matchup, though, with uh, Idaho coming to town and the opportunity Montana has to stay undefeated before then they go into the pivotal stretch of their season? Well, one, one, it's a, it's an old school rivalry, which is awesome. I mean, there's only one rival, one true rival, and that's here in Bozeman in the brawl. But you know, the, the other, you know, the kind of the AYOs, all you others. I mean, this is this is this is an old school great game, you know, on the little brown stein. And and frankly, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Jason X got got him going a little bit. You know, he he's done a done a good job, and those 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 guys are believing a little bit now. So to me, uh, I know it's going to be another beautiful weekend here in Montana. I think an, a great opportunity to go out in front of your home crowd against an old school rival, and you know, kind of most importantly, have a little bit better showing. You know, you, you got last week off which was great um really a nice time of year to get to get a buy you're kind of right there at the halfway point but i think that you know the grizz probably came away from pokey unsatisfied you know and so i think i think that uh 
for them, it's it, it's a rival game um, against a, pro, a once proud program, and, and uh, I'll call it maybe a little bit of an upstart program again with the job that Jason Eck is doing. But if you're Montana, it's a, it's it's not about them; it's about Montana themselves and going out and, and playing uh, the brand of football that they have been playing just just at a, at a better. And when I when I say they they did a lot of good things against Idaho State, what they didn't do well was protect the football. Three 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 turnovers and then another two. Uh, on down so five five total um you, you know you know that wasn't good enough for those guys and you know bobby and and the, the guys were preaching that all week so to me it's just a matter of them getting to play football again in front of an old rival in front of their home crowd and, and doing it doing it at a, at a at a better clip than they did two weeks ago he's ty gregorak you can find his analysis each week here on the big sky breakdown as well as as a color commentator now on the mtn broadcast of all bobcat football games for the rest of the conference schedule coach ty thanks for being here man always great catching up with you and uh, have yourself a great week enjoy yourself in northern colorado <laughs> that's that's really funny of you to say Coulter. thank you 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 enjoy you enjoy a beautiful afternoon in missoula in front of twenty six thousand. <laughs> i will i I will do everything in my power to enjoy Nottingham Field with the smell in the background, and you and I both know what that smell is. Uh, but no, I, I, another opportunity to watch college football and get to talk about it, and uh, you know, life is good. So enjoy yourself, and look forward to talking to you uh, next week. Hey, man, if there's one silver lining, and I'll get you out of here on this, I think there's only one team in the history of the Big Sky Conference that had that has two former Elite 11, former five-star recruit quarterbacks on their roster. That team, Northern Colorado with Dylan McCaffrey and Jacob Sermon. Amazing. It, it, yes, it is. Yes, it is, Colter. <laughs> and... Uh, we we are we we already ta- we already talked about I, I'll talk about it with you but you know we are, you know the TV wise we do a production thing every Monday and somebody brought up should we bring up the clipboard incident from last year and I'm like no I mean I I know why you want to but guy made a mistake let it go we've all been there I mean shoot I've thrown a clipboard for sure and happened to hit a fan you know so <laughs> um, no man it's uh, life is that's, that's why they play the games man college football is 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 uh, Hollywood drama at its finest every Saturday. You get every kind of you get violence, you get action, you get drama. It's that's why that's why we all love college football, man. So have a great week, Colter. I'll see you next. Uh, talk to you next week. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist.